from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Starting five here on The Drive with Tim Donnelly. There we go. Set the tone. Uh, I'm Tim Donnelly. Dennis Cox producing the show. And uh, it's time for the starting five. This is going to happen every single day at 5 o'clock. We're going to roll you through five of the biggest stories in sports and, and break them down for you every which way. Starting with, some guys just have uh, all the fun. It's number five. I, Steph Curry, hopefully he – actually, I, I would actually I should take this back. With all the, the uh, gambling suspensions going on, I was going to say hopefully he bet on himself to win the, the charity event out there in Tahoe. Well, that might be legal. I, I just don't even want to. I just don't. I don't. <laughs> hey, it I don't might be. Make any jokes? By the way, I, I just side note: if it was Steph Curry, they'd probably change the rules. And they're like, we're not suspending Steph. He's not exactly like a backup defensive back for the Colts. Uh, either way, Steph Curry, he won the whole darn thing first of all, and he hit a hole in one. And a part of me wants to say that uh, a little bit of a jerk move from Steph. Right. There are those. Really? There's there are those of us out here that have worked tirelessly for decades with a goal of hoping to be good enough in one professional sport to be featured and, and like just to just to make it. I'm pretty sure if he wanted to, he could be a professional golfer. Yeah. And it just seems like if you have all that talent, pass the golf talent to someone else. Is that not how it works? I mean, if you're going to be the greatest shooter in the history of basketball, maybe not also be the guy that's going to hit a hole-in-one and then birdie, or sorry, eagle 18 to win the the, the big event. Mm-hmm. But also I think it's this, right? I, I think it's it's proving that, A, competitiveness translate, competitiveness translates, right? It's it's If you're competitive in basketball, if you hate losing, it'll, it'll motivate. Handling pressure translates, right? If, you're, if you can be trusted to have the, the game-winning jumper, in an NBA Finals game, you can be trusted to make the match-winning putt because your your nerves are just low regardless. Um, it also hand-eye coordination, right? When when you know the 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 game, right? The icebreaker game. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Everybody says fly. No, I say super speed, but that's fine. Super speed, similar, right? There's there's like five or six invisibility, reading minds. Everybody goes to the same ones. Like if you ask an athlete if you could have any trait, you're going to get speed, right? You're going to get strength. You're going to get jumping ability because those are so obviously like if I'm a football player, I want to be big, tall, strong, and fast. If I'm a basketball player, I want to have leaping ability. I think hand-eye coordination might be the most underrated trait in an athlete. It translates to almost every sport. You could hit a baseball. You could hit a golf ball. It helps with uh, shooting. Obviously, Steph Curry's got a ton of it. It helps with catching a football. It helps with, with just about everything. Steph Curry, maybe the best hand-eye coordination in the history of, of sports. Turns out, that makes you a pretty good golfer. Also, does it feel like to you that he's kind of beaten the game of basketball and now he's trying a new game? Like any video game person out there, what, what happens, right? You buy the video game, you, you work hard, you finally beat it, and then what do you do? Go to another game. Exactly. It's, it's not like, oh, sweet, now that I've beaten it, I'm going to go back and play level four again. As soon as you beat it, you move on to the next does feel kind of like he's beaten basketball and now he's on to the next. He's going to keep playing basketball because it pays well, but uh, he's on to the next. Let's hit number four. We are the four horsemen. Woo! NFL, a lot of news today. 
lot of news today in the NFL. So I want to make sure this doesn't get swept under the rug. Uh, Miles Sanders was talking about Bryce Young and the situation Bryce Young has to develop within. And uh, he hinted something about Andy Dalton. Let's see if you can hear it for yourself. I have a good feeling about these guys. Uh, uh, these, these guys work. And that's the main thing I've, I've noticed in OTAs. Uh, we got a very, very good young quarterback that's being mentored by a very, very, very good quarterback, future Hall of Famer, Andy Dalton, that I have a lot of respect for. And, you know, you got guys like Adam Thielen that's uh, mentoring the, the, uh, the, the receivers. Let me ask you this. First of all, did you catch it? I did. Did you, did you did you hear Miles Sanders refer to Andy Dalton as a future Hall of Famer? Mm-hmm. Dennis, do you agree with it? No. I mean, well, our question is what Hall of Fame? We have We're talking th- like TCU, maybe his <laughs> high school. Actually, Bengals, a, Bengals Ring of Honor. That's a good question because there's a probably a Hall of Fame that every NFL player is a part of. Oh, of course. Right? They're at least in like their Pop Warner, like Ring of Honor, Jersey Retired, uh, High School Hall of Fame. So you could call every NFL player a Hall of Famer by those standards. I think anytime you say like future Hall of Famer or, or you know, Andy Dalton Hall of Famer, you're talking about the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And <laughs> here's the, the next question. Do you think this is one of those things that Miles Sanders said? And then as he was like walking away from the interview, he was going like, why did I say that? Like he was just rolling saying like Andy Dalton's a great, great mentor and he's going to have Bryce Young playing well in the future Hall of Famer. What? Why did I go that far? Or do you think he meant it? Because I'm, I'm going to introduce one of my one of my theories here. Uh, by the way, I'm Tim Donnelly. This is the first edition of of. Uh, the Drive here on 99.9 The Fan. It is also the first edition of the Starting Five, which we're going to do every day right here at 5 o'clock. Uh, part of my introduction, part of us getting to know each other, is I like to name my theories. Right, You borderline put together like a dictionary. One of them is what I call the Ring of Honor Complex, which is very simple. When you start asking questions about somebody being a tier above where they are, you make me out to be the bad guy, right? And what, what I mean by that is I could talk about Andy Dalton for a very long time and be nothing but complimentary. I could say things like he is a three-time Pro Bowler, right? He is top 30 all-time in passing yards. He is top 30 all-time in passing touchdowns. He is top 25 all-time in game-winning drives, top 25 all-time in comebacks at the quarterback position. I could sit here and say his run with the Bengals where they were making the playoffs every year and losing their first game was underrated. A lot of what A.J. Green was in, in football history is, is paired with what Andy Dalton was. I could talk about Andy Dalton for a long time with nothing but compliments, but the moment you say he is a Hall of Famer, I have to say, no, he's not. And then that makes me out to be the bad guy. The reason I call it the Ring of Honor Complex is because uh, it was inspired by players like Tony Romo and Donovan McNabb, who, when people say, are they a Hall of Famer, I say no, but they should 100% be in their team's ring of honor, right? Donovan McNabb, when he walks into whatever stadium the Philadelphia Eagles are playing in as their home stadium, his number and name should be along that upper deck. Tony Romo, he should be in the Cowboys' ring of honor. That's a compliment, right? There's the very top percent of the very top percent of the very top percent gets ring of honor. Now, even the top percent of those guys get Hall of Fame, but that's not an insult to say they don't get that. Andy Dalton's not a Hall of Famer. 
Very good professional quarterback for a lot of years. He is not a Hall of Famer. I'm not the bad guy there. You just have some kind of complex thinking a ring of honor is not good. I actually believe he should be in the uh, Bengals ring of honor. He holds a whole bunch of franchise records there. He just doesn't hold a whole bunch of uh, NFL records. And you have the whole era thing. Like he's top 25, top 30 in a bunch of stats. Yeah. It's it's different doing that today than it is in the past. You have, you basically have to be like top five because that's where the Mahomes and the Allens and all that, they're going to end up there. Uh, last thing I want to update you on since we're talking NFL news. Uh, earlier today, a little bit of uh, hour and 10-ish minutes ago, the franchise tag deadline came and passed. Saquon Barkley did not get a deal. Josh Jacobs did not get a deal. Now we don't know when they're going to play football. right? If, if you believe in the multiverse, there's going to be universes where those guys don't play this year. There's going to be universes where those guys don't show up for a couple games. There's going to be universes where they show up in, during preseason, at the end of preseason. It's really up to them now. They either play for $10.09 million or they don't play at all. And that is a very, very, very difficult decision to make for a multitude of reasons, right? They, they, during these negotiations, players are saying what they're worth, and self-worth is very difficult to kind of go back on, right? If you say, if you value me and what I bring to the table, you'll give me $15 million per year, and they say we're not giving you $15 million per year, that is a very, very slice of humble pie. Right? That's a very, very big slice of humble pie you'd have to eat to then go back and just, you know, act like it's all good. The way I was describing it earlier was bluffs were called, right? We've heard the leaks. We've heard the rumors, the insiders saying that Saquon would consider not playing or not reporting for week one. Josh Jacobs the same. If they didn't get a long-term deal, they didn't get a long-term deal. So I know where I'll be week one. I'll be watching the game. I'm very, very interested to see which running backs I will be watching for the Giants and the Raiders. Uh, let's jump to the next of our starting five, number three. One, two, three. That, of course, being Carlos Alcaraz. Huh? Huh? Alcaraz? Alcaraz. I would have gotten there eventually. Yeah. Uh, he's, the, the fact of the matter is he's a two-time uh, slam champion, right? First time at Wimbledon. He also has a U.S. Open. It's not even 21. And he's 20 years old. So I'm going to have some time to learn how to pronounce his name because that guy isn't going anywhere. And, and I mean, to hear my favorite torch passings are the ones that sneak up on us, mm -hmm. right? Like uh, when, when uh, Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes were going to play in the Super Bowl, how many times in those two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl did we hear the term torch passing? And then what happened? Every day. Tom Brady won and was like, no, I'm going to hold on to this torch for at least another couple months. Uh, like, my favorite torch passings are the ones that sneak up on you, where you don't even recognize, right? It's like, that guy, that guy, wait, 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 wait where did this one come from? And to hear the the previous generation, right? And, and I mean, the big three is the big three, right? It's Federer in tennis, it's it's Nadal, and it's Djokovic. When, when those three guys talk about Carlos... It sounds like they they're there's something knowing going on, right? When Djokovic afterwards was saying, you know, he's got a little bit of Nadal, he's got a little bit of Federer, a little bit of my game, I'm going, wait a wait a wait a second. You know, that's like when when uh, they started describing Victor Wembanyama before the draft, and they were saying he had Kareem's body, Kevin Durant's jumper, and like 
Dane's handles, and I was going, I think that's that's impossible. But it, I might believe it more if it was like Kevin Durant saying it. So the fact that Djokovic said it makes me go like, oh, this might be legit. Right? This might be kind of the next guy. And tennis needs the next guy. Right? It, it, we, we see this happen in every sport. It felt like for a decade it was Brady, Manning, Breeze. Right? Rogers. Forever and ever. And then as those guys got old, it was like, who's going to step up? And then seemingly, boom, Mahomes. And, and the, this next generation was right there ready to take the torch. Well, as the big three is fading on, this might be the guy. And if there's not someone else jumping ahead, he might be the guy with less competition. You're talking about motivations earlier. You, you think as, as, a, as a 20-year-old kid, I say kid, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at Djokovic, who's won four straight Wimbledons, Six of the last eight, I'm staring that dude down, and, and I'm like, and, and I know that going in. And Djokovic I was that he guy. was breaking rackets. He was doing yeah. all the intimidating tactics that he could possibly do as the it, the old grizzled veteran. But mentally, you had to go. You mentally, you had to go through that. Physically, the skills there, but mentally, that's where that separates. You know, guys who can be really good and great. But for the fact that that young kid mentally was able to stare that down and get it done. That's what impressed me most. And, and and that's kind of what I was talking about earlier with, with Steph at the beginning of the starting five, mm-hmm. where, like, oh, steel nerves translates, right? And I don't know if yeah. you can teach that. And I'm sure there is somewhere, uh, you know, some sports science group, right, that has a grant for a billion trillion dollars, and they're in some very, very high-priced lab, and they're watching, like, that Wimbledon looking for, like, micro-expressions on his face to see why he was able to deal with it at 20, you know, so much better than guys who at 29 at the peak of their powers were were able to deal with it. But, you know, it might just be something inherent, right? It might just be something kind uh, kind of natural or born with that not many guys have. Actually, you know, I'll, t- I'll tell this personal story. And by the way, coming up in about 15 minutes, Mike Glennon is going gonna, is gonna to join us here in studio. Uh, Mike Glennon is, is my cousin, so we go way back, and I've been able to watch our, our careers and, and his brother's career closely. Mike went on to be a 10-year NFL quarterback, right? His brother played at Virginia Tech in the ACC. I played at Delaware. Uh, his brother had a cup of coffee in the NFL. I didn't even get a sniff. I think more of it than we think is is – kind of that thing that I'm talking about. And and what I mean by that is, uh, I don't know if anyone remembers this, uh, but I was at an NC State comeback when Mike was the quarterback against Maryland. At the time, it was the second biggest comeback in ACC history. And now, the only reason I was there is because our season was over. So that tells you what kind of season I was having, right? Uh, or it may have been Thanksgiving or something. I forget what it was. But I was there to visit Mike, which means I'm there for the weekend. I'm there to have a good time, right? I'm not, I'm there as not the quarterback on campus. Nobody knows who I am here, so it's going to be a good time. Uh, and they were down by a rough estimate, a billion at halftime. And after the game, we're talking to Mike, and we were like, what were you thinking at halftime? Because they ended up coming back, and he threw for, I think it was five touchdowns, and they won the game. It was the second biggest comeback in, in ACC history. And he said, like, well, honestly, as I was jogging to the locker room, I was thinking, Tim's not going to have any fun tonight, right? Because, like, the football team can't have, like, public fun after getting run off the field by Maryland. And uh, I remember thinking in that moment, like, oh, that might be the difference between you and me, right? You're down a billion at halftime of an ACC game, and you're so calm that you're thinking of your cousin in the stands. 
Meanwhile, if I was ever down by two touchdowns at halftime, I'm going I'm, as I'm jogging in the locker room. I'm running through every adjustment we can make, and I'm, you know, basically a hamster in a hamster wheel, working hard, and just, you know, it's not actually going to fix anything, right? You just have to do, execute better of what the game plan you're supposed to do. I bet you Carlos has some of that, right? Where he's watching Jokovic break a break a racket in the Wimbledon final on center court. Djokovic hasn't hasn't lost on center court in who knows how long, right? It's been years and years. And while the rest of us would be saying, oh my gosh, that might be the best, that might be the best tennis player to ever live breaking a racket. Oh my gosh, how scared should I be? And he's just kind of chuckling, going like, look at that. I got him mad. Right? Just a little bit more calm. Just a little bit more at ease. That may have been what was going on there. But either way, there is a... there's something special going on with that youngster on Wimbledon. Let's jump to number two. Just the two of us. Greg Sankey and the SEC has their media day going on right now. And I hate to say it, but uh, what Greg Sankey says matters to all of us. And it's it's... I never want to give the SEC that kind of like, oh, they're just bigger and better and more powerful. But with the way, like with Texas and Oklahoma on the way, they're kind of just bigger and more powerful right now. I won't say better, but I'll say bigger and more powerful. So when Sankey talks, we all have to listen. This quote stood out to me from today. We are, this is Greg Sankey talking about the SEC. We are a super conference. I'm focused on growth to 16. It's not been a topic for Southeastern for the Southeastern Conference. Do I think it's done? People say I get to decide that. We know who we are. We're comfortable who we are. That was in response to questions about realignment. That's a lot of words that don't say much to me, which tells me he intentionally didn't want us to know. All right, we talk about motivations. I'm focused on the growth to 16. For those of you that don't count your SEC teams often, they have 14 right now. Texas and Oklahoma makes it 16. That that requires 0% of his focus, right? They're coming. It's happening. It's done. Just got to make sure the bed's made. That's yeah, really it. Exactly. Like, schedule flights. Is that what he's – do you think Greg Sankey is the one, like, making sure pregame meals are taken care of and making sure that, that uh, you know – they're prepared for the crowds that Arch Manning will one day bring. He might. <laughs> like, I don't think he's involved in that. So when he's saying yeah, it's not something we've talked about, it's not been a topic, what he's saying is, oh, we've talked about it, and I don't want to tell you yet. I can't help but but think, I can't help but wonder that conferences, SE, or SEC realignment, but, but college football realignment is a race to 20 teams. 20 teams, which would be two 10-team divisions, and the first to get there is going to control a lot of that power. The Big Ten and the SEC are aware of this. So just like when the transfer portal hits, you have to re-recruit your players every year, make sure they're happy, make sure they want to stay. Conferences, re-recruit your teams every year. Make sure they're happy, make sure they want to stay. And finally, number one on the starting five. The one! We talked with Mac Brown earlier today, head coach, North Carolina football, the Tar Heels. And he said some things that really stuck out to me, so I thought we'd revisit them. Starting with his reaction to playing South Carolina in primetime in Charlotte to start their season in week one. I would rather have a game that's an easy one to open with and have this one second. 
So you can kind of, we, we don't have preseason games in college football. So we're going to have to scrimmage more. We're going to have to be more physical in preseason because uh, we don't have any time to learn how to play. But we've got, we've got to have the foot on the gas and ready to go in that opener. Uh, Shane Beamer's done a tremendous job. South Carolina's hot. They, they ended up beating Tennessee and Clemson at the end of the year. Uh, they've got a lot of momentum. So as we tailed off at the end of the year, they, they just kept gaining momentum. So be two of the best quarterbacks in the country. It'll be a primetime game. I'm really excited about it, uh, and, and our players are. So when they're out there in this 98-degree uh, heat and they're running, I can just simply say South Carolina's running too, guys. First of all, I love the motivational tactics from coaches, right? Like like they're running harder because he's out there saying South Carolina. It's hot out there. They're, they're, they're booking it. Um, as we said right after that conversation, uh, that game is appointment television in week one, and I can see why a coach might not want that right out the gate, right? The way I described it in the interview was jumping on a treadmill that's already set to 30 miles per hour, right? You probably want to jump on at 10 and then beep, 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 a little bit faster, beep, 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 a little bit faster like everybody does. But uh, but, but for the first time, uh, you get to see your team and you get to see if all those adjustments you made in the offseason stuck and you get to see if that slide at the end of the season, if the corrections were made. And oh, by the way, you're going to have Spencer Rattler doing everything he possibly can to make sure that those corrections didn't stick. From our perspective, it's going to be really fun to watch. From their perspective, I'm sure they would like a little bit of a tune-up game. Speaking of quarterbacks, Spencer Rattler on the other side of that shootout, it's going to be Drake May. I asked Coach, uh, Coach Brown where he wants Drake to improve. He just competes at everything. So he's really hard on himself, Tim. And after the season, he, he um, felt like that he, he wanted help with his throwing motion. He wanted help with his feet. Mm. He wanted help with his presence in the pocket. So we were so fortunate to hire Chip Lindsey, who has uh, two current NFL quarterbacks that, that he coached. And Clyde Christensen came back to help us, who coached Peyton Manning and Jameis Winston and um, – Andrew Luck and, and Tom Brady. So he's got some really good teachers around him right now. So uh, we, we feel like that we're even as good as he played last year, we're going to see even a better version of Drake this fall. The thing I take away from that and actually more of the interview is how Drake May was involved in the future of this offense. We talked about the transition to a Chip Lindsey from a Phil Longo offense as they switched offensive coordinators. Coach Brown talked about talking with Drake May as that transition happened. They 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 brought that guy into all of the decision making rooms, and and a I think it's a good move. But b that that stacks the chips in this year, right? I don't, I don't expect Drake May to be on campus very long, and you let him impact the future of the offense for one more year. So you better go grab whatever lofty goals you can grab, and and you know that's. That's really the definition of what we were talking about. Those championship windows, it might be a one-year window for UNC with Drake May leading the charge. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
now we have Mike Lennon on the show who helped us pick. You set Thomas up and you set you set Thomas and Smithfield really really up for for a tough one there. Uh, I don't know that that's that's unfortunate for him. Uh, but that is uh, again Mike Glennon, former NC State quarterback, ten-year NFL veteran. You heard me mention it earlier. He is uh, also my cousin, so we're kind of keeping a tradition alive. When I have a new show, we get one of the Glennon brothers on the first show every every single time, and uh, and this one uh, checks that off the list. Um, Mike, we'll start with the obvious: Brendan Armstrong, NC State, right? Kind of. I don't know where you subscribe to the QBU NC State thing, but uh, but Brendan Armstrong next in line. How excited or or. Uh, ready for you uh, are you for him to take over yeah unfortunately the qbu is starting to fade away mm-hmm. we were at about five and or now we're down to two so um <laughs> i don't know how much longer we're gonna be able to claim that but uh i loved brennan two years ago at virginia mm-hmm. and last year it was not the same guy and there was a lot of reasons for it it was the they had a new offensive coordinator a new system they replaced all their offensive linemen there was a lot of drops at receiver, but when I watched the tape, it wasn't always the receivers. Mm. It wasn't always offensive line. It was also that left-handed quarterback and Brendan Armstrong. So, lefty is that a shot? Ball no, spins no, the wrong no way. No lefty. He he can. I, I love lefties throwing it. It's just like watching uh, watching Phil swing or you know a lefty jumper. Always yeah, looks it just looks better because yeah. it's what you see in the mirror when you look at yourself. So I like the way he throws it. He's got a lot of skill set that is great i mean he we it's so easy to compare the two years and, and what went wrong and okay if he goes back to two years ago they're gonna be great with robert mm-hmm. and i um but i don't think it's just that easy it, it, it's gonna take him you know being better than he was last year point blank and he's a mature kid i've been around him when he, you're around him he felt to me like a guy that was i don't know in his second year in the nfl he's very mature you could tell he does not worried about all the the little things uh, that come with college football. He's worried about playing football and being the best player he can be. And I'm excited to see what he can do this year. The the Robert and I element of this is is interesting. You bring it up because they're being reunited, right? Uh, you luckily enough had Dana Bible for your your college run, but in the pros, you dealt with a different coordinator seemingly every like eight weeks. Is going back to like the same language? That easy. I, I never had to deal with that either. I had the same coordinator through my whole college career. Is it like riding a bike, or is he now translating, you know, from from their old offense to the new offense back to the old offense? No, it's for him. It's riding a bike. If yeah. I could go, if you were to tell me one offense I know better than any of them, it's my NC State offense because I was in it for five years. Mm-hmm. And even though that was ten, I learned it fifteen years ago, and the last time I played in it was over ten years ago. I still know that because I got thousands and thousands of reps at it. Mm-hmm. And I actually sat in the meetings this spring with Brennan sometimes, and it was almost like he was teaching the offense to the quarterback mm-hmm. coach because not to the quarterback coach's fault, he was brand new to the offense. So he was asking Brennan, uh, is this yeah, – how do you guys, guys like read to do this? this? Yeah. You know, he was – and Brennan knew it. You know, he definitely knows this Robert and I offense. He's not having to translate it back and forth. Oh, this is what we called it last year. It, it's like riding a bike for him, and, and that's a, a huge deal – that your new quarterback isn't stepping into a brand new offense. He's actually the expert on it and helping all the guys around him. 
Did you know that your unused medications could end up in the wrong hands? It's important to keep your medication secure in a locked location, such as a locking box or locking cabinet. When it's time to dispose of them, safety and properly dispose of old, expired, or unused meds by using an at-home disposal product or a medication disposal box in your community. Don't miss out on medication take-back events happening near you. Don't let anyone take what's yours. Lock your meds. Be aware. Don't share. Learn more at lockyourmeds.org nc. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh, we were talking about Brennan Armstrong and his connection with the the new offensive coordinator, but his old offensive coordinator at NC State. Uh, the other thing that I think is very important for Brennan Armstrong that he had at UVA is a bunch of really talented pass catchers. And the reason why that was so important is because, you know, what he was so good at during that 2021 season when he really popped was distributing the ball, right? And it didn't matter if you were the the first option or the fourth option, he'd get you the ball and you could run with it. And UVA had the guys to take advantage of it. Uh, Thayer Thomas is gone, right? Devin Carter is gone from NC State's roster. They're bringing in some new players. Uh, they have some players stepping up, but like, are, is there any concern about the, the pass catching options for, for the Wolfpack? Yeah, they're replacing a lot of guys. You know, the last two years, it's really been about Emeka Mezzi, Thayer mm-hmm. Thomas, and Devin Carter. And now all three are gone. And who's going to who's gonna fill those shoes? Because it is clearly the weak link. I, I was listening to the show earlier. We mm-hmm. got an eighth-year – Eighth-year college football I, player. I mean – Bradley I Rosner from, from Rice. Is. Eight years? I mean, that's almost as long as my NFL career. <laughs> and, and I mean, he was in the, the – the, High school class of 2016, like, what? and he's about to go play in 2023. Yeah. Like a bowl game could be in 2024. Can pair like current NFL, you know, like when a guy like Hendon Hooker, mm-hmm. I believe, you know, he gets drafted, and it's like, well, that guy's actually older than I think yeah. he's a year younger than Jared Goff or yeah. something like that. This guy's got to be older than guys that are of, almost on their I, probably on their second contract in the NFL. Yeah, I think he might be in that same recruiting classes as like, like Tyreek, like Lamar Jackson or something. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, um, that's Bradley Rosner, a Rice grad transfer, 6'5", 205-pounder, former former uh, high jumper. So, I mean, that's going to be an option, and he had you know 800 yards and, and 10 touchdowns. Uh, but in order for Robert and I's offense to be run as, as well as Brandon Armstrong has run it in the past, you need like five guys, four probably minimum uh, from various positions that can, you know, pop up with six or 700 yards in a season. Yeah, and I know talking with the coaches, being around spring practice, they're very excited about the two early enrollees, mm. Juice Vereen and Casey Concepcion. But if you're banking on two guys that have never played a game, you know, that's not what you want to go into the season. So <laughs> what do you do? You go out and find an eighth-year transfer. And, Enough experience for everybody yeah. to go around. Uh, but I, th- there's other guys in that receiver room that should be able to step up, and that's Keon Lassane, Porter Rooks, um Terrell Timmons there are guys that have gone out there and done it and shown what they're capable they've flashed but 
who who's going to step up and become that number one receiver? Who's going to be that number two receiver? All those guys have kind of been more role players in the past that, you know, they might've had a big moment here or there. Timmons had the big touchdown against Carolina. Uh, um, uh, Keon was saying, I remember catching a, a fade for a touchdown uh, at some point in the season, but Anyway, they haven't shown to be the guy that, okay, it's third and eight, the game's on the line. We are throwing to this guy, um, and that that's what they're going to need to find out is who's going to be that guy to step up. Is it Trent Penix, more the tight end? Is it these uh, true freshmen, Casey Concepcion, Juice Farine, or, or is it our, our eighth-year transfer guy? Mike Glennon, former NC State quarterback, connecting with us here in studio live for the drive. Uh the other part of this whole team is the dynamic that comes with how good the defense is, right? Peyton Wilson's coming back. Reportedly, the NFL was very, very interested. So he's back for leading a, a defense that was top in the ACC in a whole bunch of different categories, in court, including the important one, which was scoring. Uh, when you're putting together an offense with so many new pieces, new quarterback, new coordinator, quite a few new receivers, is 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 there any like worry that there's going to be some kind of, of – divide where it's like the defense is playing so great and if the offense takes a little while to get going right that was kind of the downfall of fall last year it just seems like it could be a really interesting locker room it can but i i, I don't think that'll be the case because they have an experienced quarterback in mm. brendan armstrong for the reasons that we talked about before with it's a new offense coordinator but the fact that the quarterback's been in the system i don't see that being an issue but i i know that they're gonna reload on defense tony gibson's done a great job um, like you said, top mm. 10 in a lot of categories. Getting Peyton Wilson back was mm. huge. He just needs to stay healthy, stay on the field. They are replacing some guys like Drake Thomas, like Tanner Engel. Mm -hmm. But they have guys that Tanner Engel was banged up a lot. Peyton Wilson's been banged up a lot. They have guys that have played. They just aren't technically returning starters. But there are guys that have, have played a lot of football. And then on the outside, you got two of the best corners uh, in the ACC with Shaheen Battle. Um and uh, I'm, I'm blanking on his name. But they, they got two guys that are going to be make it hard on defenses to throw the ball. So up front, they also have returning returning uh, defensive linemen that have put a lot of pressure on the quarterbacks. So with that, all that being said, yes, I think the defense is probably the strength of this team. But with Brendan Armstrong returning, with Robert and I, I don't see it being you know an unbalanced load. Uh, Aiden White expected to be the, the, uh, the other corner there. Um while you're here, I do want to uh, – I mean, we can't have an ACC quarterback with, with this much experience and not touch on a few of the others. Uh, we talked Drake May earlier today. Uh, a lot of hype. What, 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 if any, are the biggest boxes you still want to see him check before he goes off to the NFL? Uh, I mean, he's checked all the boxes for me. There's no doubt about it. Um, whether – you know, he's, he still has to play a season. We, mm -hmm. we can't already say he's going to be the number two pick of the draft, possibly number one. But if he plays like he did last year, I don't see any reason why he won't be that high. I mean, it could end up being, you know, Marvin Harrison. You know, <laughs> like, there, there are different scenarios to play out. So, will he be the number two pick of the draft? I don't know. Well, do if I think he'll be a, a, a top needs five? Him in the top five, yeah. He will, he will go. What does he need to work on? To me, I felt like at times he was a little dramatic in the pocket with his movement. He would slide a lot when he only needed to slide a little. Um, you can get away with that at the college level, at the pros. Those pass rushers are too good that you don't want to be sliding way left or way right because you got Von Miller coming off the edge, and that's going to be a headache. So it's just the little subtle things within his game that he can fine-tune and clean up. But, I mean, the guy played one year of college football. Like, he's he should have things to, to work on, and honestly, he should hope that he 
has areas that he wants to get better at because if he was already a finished product, that's that's not a great thing. There's always room to improve, and I'm sure he's going to be focusing on that this offseason. It is it is very interesting that the, your answer went there so quickly because we talked with Mac Brown earlier and asked him a very similar question, and it didn't take you know 30 seconds for him to mention pocket movement as something that they're working on, and Chip Lindsey, their offensive coordinator, is working on with him. So you know it's it's very nice to get to like the nitpicky part of of quarterback development uh after one year of starting yeah, and, and yeah. you know there's not that's a good problem to have if, if you it's can not like a knockdown demo things. rebuild it's like let's just polish some things yes. up in the pocket and, and go from there uh a minute or less uh what about riley leonard at duke i, I know you're on the broadcast yeah. for duke last year he kind of gets pushed uh, to the he, backside. he had a great season um and he honestly was more of a threat running the ball than throwing it so he's one of those guys that it's an underrated athlete i think he moves faster than he actually looks um, but he obviously did an unbelievable job at Duke last year and his ceiling isn't as high as a guy like Drake may or some of these other guys in the ACC, but he's proven that he can do it consistently. Um, and I also don't think his you know ceiling is very low. He's going to be a steady, consistent player for, for Duke this year. This is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall. He knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.